Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman with ChristLives.org. Today is a bittersweet Sunday, for today we preach the last sermon in our series entitled The Final Countdown. Today's lesson is called The End of the Final Countdown. You know, our study in the book of Revelation has taken us from the days of the early church in the past all the way into eternity in the future. John has been faithfully fulfilling the divine purpose he shared in the first verse of the book, which says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. That's Revelation chapter 1. Verse 1. You know, John has been used of the Lord to reveal to God's people God's plan for the future. We've seen in the words of Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, where it says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and things which shall be hereafter. We've seen these things fulfilled in the pages of this amazing book. The Lord has shown us how the church age will end. It will end with the church in apostasy, cold and dead, with Jesus on the outside. We are steadily moving in that direction today. He has shown us what will follow after the church is removed from the world. There will be a terrible tribulation period that will engulf the entire world. Billions will die from war, disease, and the tragedy of divine judgment. This age will also end with the Antichrist and Satan judged and sentenced to an eternity in the lake of fire. We've even been given a glimpse of our own future. We've seen a place called heaven where death, disease, and sin and Satan will be prohibited. We've been given a small foretaste of that wonderful place that someday we will call home. In our text today, we have arrived at the end of the book. Let's read today from God's word. Chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there will be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there will be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. When I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then he saith unto me, See, thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. 
And he that which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. You know, the verses we read serve as the Lord's conclusion to the book of Revelation. So let's move through these verses together and end our study of the book of Revelation and the final countdown. As I said, for me, this is a bittersweet end. I've enjoyed bringing you these series of sermons. And from the time God placed that old song from 1986 called The Final Countdown on my radio and inspired me, with some initial doubt, initial doubt on my side, to preach on the final countdown and to begin at one of the most theologically devastating sermons that preachers preach today, the Sermon on Hell. It's been a long journey. As the Lord closes out this book, he has a few final statements to make. I want to examine these statements and try to preach on the conclusion of the final countdown. Let's look at the concluding word about the scriptures. First of all, the scriptures are accurate. John is assured that everything that he has seen has been both faithful and true. There's not been a single exaggeration, nor has there been a single falsehood. Every prophecy made in this book will come to pass in the Lord's time. One of the names given to Jesus in the book of Revelation is faithful and true. That name declares him to be trustworthy and worthy of faith. The Lord can be trusted. When he makes a statement, it is truth. When he makes a promise, it will come to pass. When he issues a prophecy, it will be fulfilled. God has tied the truth of the scriptures to the integrity of his name. Psalm 138 verse 2. You can believe the words of your Bibles because when God speaks, he speaks the truth. Every word in this book is God-breathed. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. You can trust your Bible. The scriptures are authoritative. With the statement made, Behold, I come quickly, the Lord declares his authority. Man can say what he wishes about the Bible and about God's promises and the prophecies, but God will have the final say. The Lord also reaffirms his promise to bless those who keepeth the words of the revelation. That word has the idea of guarding or protecting or tending to carefully. The Lord will bless the people who read, believe, and live out the words of this book. 
That was his promise at the beginning in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. It's also his promise at the end. The Bible was not given to us so that we could have something to lay on the coffee table or in the rear deck of our car. Many people have died so that you have the privilege of holding the word of God in your hand and not having to go through someone else to learn of God's word. The Bible was given to us to read, believe, and to live out. The word of God has authority over our lives and we are to heed its words. John chapter 14 verse 15, James chapter 1 verses 22 through 23. When John hears the promises of God given to him through the angel, he gets caught up in the moment and he falls down to worship the angel. The angel rebukes John, reminds him that he's a servant too. Then John is given advice that we all need to hear. He is told to worship God. Because God and God alone is worthy and deserving of our worship. You know, in life it is easy to become like the world. And become guilty of worshiping this person or that thing. The only person who is worthy to be worshipped is the Lord God Almighty. And anything that you put before the Lord God, you worship. Look at Matthew chapter 4 verses 8 through 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 20. Remember the caution I have given at least two or three times in these lessons. Do not put your pastor on a pedestal. He is still just a man born under the same sin of Adam as you. Put the word of God on the pedestal. Put God on the pedestal. Put Jesus on the pedestal. Do not put a man on the pedestal of your life. The scriptures are accessible. See, John is commanded to seal not the book he has written. The word seal here means to conceal or to keep secret. Many years earlier, the prophet Daniel was commanded to seal up a book he had written. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. The time for the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy had not yet arrived, and it was not time to share it with the world. You see, John, on the other hand, is not to hide these things away and keep them secret. He is to publish them so that the world may hear the news that Jesus is coming and judgment is about to fall on this world. The Bible that we hold in our hands is a living witness to the God of heaven. It reveals him in his, all of his glory, his power, and his wrath. The Bible is not a closed book. But it is open and its message is available to all who will pick it up and read with an honest and obedient heart. If this book is closed, it is closed to those who refuse to know the Lord and to those that have been blinded by the devil. One day, this book that is so hated by those who deny the Lord will be the standard of judgment. Look at John chapter 12 verse 48. If I were you, I would spend some time in this book and heed this book. After all, it is the word of God, and it will stand for all eternity when everything else falls. Let's look at a word about the Savior. Let's look at his promise. Again, we have the Lord's promise that he is coming again. That was his promise before he ever left this world. Look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And that's his promise now. He is coming. 
we know that the Lord's return will happen in two stages. First, he will return in the clouds above the earth to claim his redeemed bride and take her home to heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Then he will return in power and glory to claim this earth for himself. He will defeat all his enemies, establish his kingdom, and ruin righteousness in this world. For the saints of God, the thought of our Lord's return offers peace and hope. You know, just as we thought that we might be able to cheat death and leave here in the rapture <laughs> is a wonderful thought. It's no wonder that John prayed for the Lord to come in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. Every child of God who loves the Lord and believes the Bible is looking forward to leaving this world in the rapture. Eleven through twelve and fourteen through fifteen. Let's look at a word about his awards. According to verse twelve, the return of Jesus will be a mixed blessing. He's going to reward every man according to his works. That is, those who have received him as their savior will enjoy a time of blessing when he returns. He will reward them for their works and bless them for their service. Many faithful saints of God will hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. What a day that will be. However, those who do not know Jesus will discover that the day of his return will spell their eternal doom. That's what he means in verse 11. When Jesus returns to this world, there will be no more time to get ready. No more time to get ready. When he comes, how he finds the souls is how that soul will remain throughout eternity. If I were you, I'd make sure that I was saved today and ready to meet Jesus when he comes. Because when he comes, it's too late. When he comes, he pronounces a blessing on those who obey God in verse 14. He pronounces a curse on those who reject the gospel in verse 15. Those who receive him will enjoy the blessings of heaven and of everlasting life. While those who choose sin over relationship with Jesus will be shut out of heaven. The question you need to consider today is this. Where would you be? If Jesus was to return today, are you saved? Are you ready to meet him? Has your soul been made fit for heaven by the blood of the lamb? Is your name in the lamb's book of life? Jesus is coming. And for some, it will be a time of great rejoicing. For many more, it will be a time of horrible rejection and retribution. Let's look at his authority. In verses 13 16, in these verses, John, Jesus declares his ability to make these statements and to bring them to pass. He reminds us that he was here when everything began and that he will still be here when all things end. He reminds us that he is the king of kings. He is the root of David. That is, he is David's ancestor. He is the offspring of David too. He is David's descendant. Jesus is the ultimate authority. He founded the throne and he will occupy the throne. He is the bright morning star. 
To be called a star in that culture was to be elevated. The morning star signaled the advent of a new day. Jesus is reminding us that he, who is greater than all, will return to destroy the darkness of this world forever. The light of his glory will fill both heaven and earth when he comes again. Jesus can make the promises he made because he has the power and the authority to bring them to pass. He is coming and he will rule and reign in righteousness and power someday. Let's look at the Spirit. You see, there is an appeal to appear in verse 17. Here we find the Spirit and the Bride inviting the Lord Jesus to come. The Spirit of God desires nothing more than the glory of the Son of God. John 16, 14. The Spirit of God longs for the Savior to return so that he might defeat his enemies and occupy his rightful place on the throne of the universe. The Spirit describes the glory of the Son of God. Therefore, the Spirit says, Come. The Bride of Christ echoes the invitation of the Spirit. There's a longing in the heart of the redeemed for the advent of the Redeemer. How many in the sound of my voice can identify with that desire? There are times when the burdens of life press us down and we long for Jesus to come. There are times when sin and Satan harass us and they seem so strong and we long for Jesus to come. There are times when this world seems like a foreign place and we long for Jesus to return. Hang on a little longer, sweet bride of Christ, because your Redeemer is coming again to take you unto himself. Oh, my brothers and sisters, this is a truth that you need to hear. There is an appeal to accept. Here on the last page of the last chapter, in the last book of the Bible, the Spirit of God offers one last invitation to lost sinners to come to Jesus for salvation. Even here at the bitter end, God is still asking for people to come to his son and to accept the blood of Jesus. Anyone who sees their need of a savior and understands that Jesus Christ can save their soul can be saved. They can drink the water of life and pass from death into life. Like John says in John chapter 5 verse 24. Even as the Lord brings things to a close, people are still being invited to come to him for their soul's salvation. Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? If you haven't, let me invite you to come to Jesus and trust him to save your soul. Because if you will come to him, he will save you and prepare you for an eternity in heaven. There's an admonition here to avoid. People are warned not to tamper with the words of this book. The Lord pronounces a curse on those who would add or take away from the words of the Bible. This is not a new warning, but it's a warning that runs like a thread through the pages of Scripture. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, chapter 12, verse 32. In fact, the warning given here is twofold. Men are warned not to add to the Bible. You see, the Bible is a complete book. When the Bible was finished, the revelation of God to man was brought to an end. There are no more new revelations being given out today, people. Every person who stands up and claims to have a new word from the Lord is guilty 
of adding to the word of God. They are bringing the threat of divine judgment upon themselves. One of the hallmarks of this charismatic movement has been the inclusion of a new revelation. Someone will stand in a service and claim to have a word from God. That is dangerous, and that is heresy. We have all the words from God that we will ever have right here in the Bible. These verses also let me know that every book written by man that claims to be scripture is a lie of the devil. The Book of Mormon, the writings of Mary Baker, Patterson, Glover, Eddy, the founder of Christian Science, which is neither Christian nor scientific. The so-called lost books of the Bible, all of these are attempts by Satan to undermine our faith in the word of God. I want you to think about this. If I were Satan and knew I was going to lose or thought I was going to lose, I would start planting blockers and false teachings in the way of God's people very early in the game. I would, so think about these things before you start to accept something that is not of the will of God. Those who add the word of God will face divine vengeance and judgment. God does not want his word tampered with. Men are warned not to subtract from the Bible. You know, many people are guilty of picking and choosing what they want from the Word of God. They may not add to the Bible, but they are guilty of subtracting from its words. They pick this verse and consider this one not applicable. For too many of these are guilty of diluting the message of God. They deny its truth. They water down its doctrines and they ignore its warnings. They too will face a divine judgment. Many years ago, J.A. Sice in his commentary on Revelation said, Oh my friends, it is a terrible, fearful thing to suppress or stultify the word of God and above all the words of the prophecy of this book. To put forth for truth what is not the truth, denounces error, condemn, repudiate, or emasculate what God himself has set his seal as to his mind and purpose is one of the most high crimes, not only against God, but against the souls of men, which cannot go unpunished. You see, God will not take it lightly when people tamper with his word, and neither should we. You know, I take this matter of handling the Word of God very serious. I do not want to add to it or take away from it. I want to present it just as it is given to us in the pages of the Bible. I want to preach it clear and straight. If it makes anyone mad, I'm sorry. So be it. I'd rather offend you by preaching the truth than offend God by diluting and changing the truth. Let every preacher of the gospel, every Sunday school teacher, everyone who leads in the devotion, take heed as to how you handle the word of God. It deserves our best effort. We should study it, meditate over it, and present it with the power of the Spirit. And if you lack that power, prostrate yourself before the Lord until he gives you that power. When you have found the true meaning of his word, then stand forth and proclaim it with the authority of the Spirit, being careful not to add to or take away from his divine message. I've tried very hard in teaching 
and preaching on the final countdown. I tried very hard not to give my own personal opinions about things in this book. When someone preaches to me, I'm sorry, I am not interested in your opinion. I want you to show me from the word of God the truth. Jesus wants you to know that he's coming again. He's coming to put down evil and to raise up his kingdom. He wants you to be ready to meet him when he does. Are you ready? Are you? If you're not ready, you can be. Come to Jesus today, and he will save your soul and make you ready for heaven. If you're ready, then you should come to him and praise him for his grace and saving you from your sins and from hell. My brothers and sisters, we are in the time of the final countdown. The Lord is coming. These are exciting days to be alive. I'm glad that I know him, and I trust him, and I'm ready. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that we have had for these series of sermons to talk about the final countdown. There's a tremendous lesson all throughout Revelation, a prophecy of what will come, a prophecy of what has come, and a prophecy of what is now. Lord, I ask you to touch the hearts of the audience out here, Father, those who are in the sound of my voice. I know there are some here, O oh God, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and I beg, beg that they do so now. God, there are some others out there that have accepted Christ, Father, and I just, just ask that you touch their heart. And bring them back to you because we need soul winners. We need people who are willing to stand up and be bold for the word of God. And to be bold for your kingdom. Father, I thank you for all the time that we've had together. The time that I've had to study this and prepare these lessons. It's been a blessing beyond compare. And Father, I pray for those people out there, God that they are ready when the time comes. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if I would ask you to join us again next week at 6 a.m. Central Time, it's begin another series called, Can God Really Do It? Can God Really Do It? It'll be an exciting series of lessons. They will probably be shorter uh, in terms of the number of lessons than what we had in the book of Revelation, but I think you will really enjoy them. If you, any of you made a decision today, I would really like to know about it. If you would, please send an email to ministry at christlives.org or visit our website at www.christ-lives.org. And I would really like to know how the series on the final countdown has touched your heart. God bless you and keep you. Until next week, amen.